the definition of a security that we go by is an investment in money in a common enterprise with an expectation of profit through the results of someone else. And if that's what you've got, you got a security. Best ever listeners, wouldn't it be nice to have a $2 million pre-approval line of credit? Ah, just think about that. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't that be nice? How would that help you get more deals done? Because when you submit a pre-approval line of credit with your offer on a fix and flip house, do you think it's going to stand out more? I think so. And our friends at Fun That Flip, you know Fun That Flip, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show before many times. He's a friend of mine. He's also the owner of Fun That Flip and their sponsor of today's episode. What they're doing is they're giving a $2 million pre-approval line of credit up to $2 million pre-approval line of credit for qualified buyers. And my gosh, in this competitive buying market, sellers prefer to sell to buyers who have a high likelihood of closing, right? Makes sense. Well, use this pre-approval line of credit from Fund That Flip, and that will signal to the seller that you're the real deal and you'll be able to close quickly. It's free. All you got to do is go to fundthatflip.com. You've got to qualify that you have prior experience and there's a process, but it's free and you need to go to fundthatflip.com to get the pre-approval line of credit because this is a way that's going to help your short-term rehab loan happen because you're going to get the deal for the property where you need the short-term rehab loan. Go to fundthatflip.com and get that pre-approval line of credit for up to $2 million. Best ever listeners, hello, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Farrellis. This is a show where we cut out all that fluff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. With us today, we have an attorney who specializes in syndication of commercial and investment real estate, Gene Trowbridge. Glad to have you on the show and really looking forward to talking to you about syndication. And uh, best ever listeners, by the way, I hope you're having a wonderful weekend because today is Sunday. We're going to do Skill Set Sunday and Gene's going to talk to us about the skill of how we look at private placement memorandums, whether we are putting one together or whether we are the limited partner and we're investing in one. So we're going to get both perspectives from Gene because here's a little bit about Gene. He has been a sponsor, so he's been on the general partnership side, and he's also invested passively as a limited partner in syndications. He is the author of a book that uh, I believe I am the latest person to purchase because I just purchased it and I'm looking forward to diving in. It's called It's a Whole New Business, The How-To Book of Syndicated Investment Real Estate. And you can say hi to him at his website, groupsponsor.com. Before we dive into the specifics, Gene, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Sure, Joe. Well, my background is commercial real estate. During the first third, if you would, of my career, I was a commercial real estate broker, listing, selling, buying, managing properties. And then the second third 
of my career, I was a syndicator. I spent 16 years putting together my own offerings, uh, having my offerings be sold through the securities broker-dealer network, and then the last third of my career has been as an attorney. I went to law school when I was 45 and came out uh, with a law degree and passed the bar and headed off to help people be real estate syndicators. So my practice with my partners is exclusively related to syndication. What we talk about in syndication applies to any sort of asset, but certainly primarily, Joe, we're in the real estate world. Just to quickly educate anyone who's not familiar with the term real estate syndication, I've heard you speak to other people on other other shows, and you do a great job of bringing this down to just really simple stuff. What is real estate syndication? Well, syndication is just a generic word that you use when two or more people pool their money to accomplish some business purpose. So if we were going to do a real estate syndication, Joe, you and I would pool our money, maybe put it in an LLC and go out and buy a piece of real estate. That would be a real estate syndication. Now, the real key, as you've heard me say and we've talked about, is after you decide you're going to do this real estate syndication, have you entered into the world of doing a security? And you're just not selling real estate when you're putting people together. In fact, they don't even buy the real estate. They buy interest in the entity. And the interest in the entity, when it's really managed by someone else, is a security. So uh, you do have to know a little bit about the securities laws. With someone who has a deal and they're like, okay, I have a deal, but I don't have the money. I want to partner with someone and then, or maybe two people do a deal. And let's just say it's a single family house. Do they have to do this formal paperwork or is there another way to structure it so that they don't need to go through a private placement memorandum? Well, the first thing they'd have to do is to deal with the ownership, the entity structure. So they could do a limited partnership. More often than not, they would do an LLC. And um, that puts them in business together, and that would allow them to pool their money and go out and buy the real estate. Now, the question is whether that in itself is a security. As simple as I can make it with two people, if you made an agreement in your operating agreement for your LLC that all the decisions would be made unanimously, we'd do something called a member-managed LLC, and a member-managed LLC is not a security. What makes something a security is when one of the investors invests their money, expects a profit coming out of the enterprise that they've invested in, but they're going to leave all the management and all the responsibility to someone else, and the investor is just passive. That's a security. I didn't say unless it's family and friends or less than 100 people or less than 35 (laughs) people. None of those things are rules. The definition of a security that we go by is an investment of money in a common enterprise with an expectation of profit through the results of someone else. Mm -hmm. And if that's what you've got, you've got a security. So if you do away with through the results, uh, through the efforts of someone else, 
then it's not a security. It's just a simple LLC, and you can go forward. So you and I would do it without any great documentation. We'd just do it because we would agree to make the decisions together. But if there were 17 of us, Joe, it wouldn't work that easy. We'd have to have someone to make the decision, and and here you are, welcome to the securities world. Because I, I know a lot of fix and flippers who would do a joint venture on a deal and they'll be responsible for doing the project and then they bring in money. So are you saying that's a security? It could be. I'd have to look and see what the decisions are. In a joint venture, when someone brings in the money, it's very common for major decisions to be made by both of the joint venture partners. Mm. Got it. That's the case, then no, that wouldn't be a security. But if I'm just going to write you a check and say, you know, when it's done, send me my money, that's a security. I don't care if it's a joint venture, a corporation, an LLC, a limited partnership. I don't care what you call it. I hope our single-family home investors and fix-and-flippers who use hard money and do joint ventures are, are listening up on that one. Now, let's... Joe. I got to talk over you on that one. The one that I see that really surprises everyone is if it's a participating loan. If I said to you, I'll give you the money and I want a certain interest rate and I want 25% of the profits, you just send me all the money when it's over. That's definitely a security. And what paperwork do they need to put together in that scenario? Well, it's going to depend upon who the investors are. If the investors are all accredited, the rich and smart people, then we wouldn't need an extensive PPM. We could uh, give them the information they need to make an informed decision. But you'd need the operating agreement for the LLC. You'd need a subscription agreement and a questionnaire so that they would fill it out and you'd know that they are accredited, and that might be okay. But if you're dealing with you know six, seven people who are investing through with their IRA money, you're going to need a PPM. You're going to need a full disclosure document. But that helps you and the investors. All right. Now let's transition from the smaller deal world, at least that's how I'm picturing it, to the larger stuff. And in particular, when I'm asking these questions, I'm visualizing multifamily syndication just as an FYI. So let's look at it from both perspectives. One, someone who is investing in a multifamily syndication and to someone who is putting together the multifamily syndication. And the overall thing I'd like to discuss is what should that person look for in the private placement memorandum? So whichever approach you want to take first, go ahead. Well, let's start with the investor. The investor investing in it? Yes. The investor gets handed a private placement memorandum. Let's say I put together the private placement memorandum, I'm going to be the syndicator, the managing member, and I want you to invest. So I hand you the private placement memorandum. There are a number of things that need to be in the private placement memorandum, too many to go through all of them. But I think the ones that you'd be most concerned about would be a reading of what are the risks? What are the conflicts of interest? You know, Do I have other deals going on at the same time? Am I a real estate broker and a syndicator at the same time? 
those sort of things. Sources and uses of proceeds. How am I going to tell you that the money is going to be used that we're going to be raising? Uh, liquidity is important. What are the provisions in the document that will allow you as an investor uh, a chance to get your money out if your life changes? And uh, dispute resolution. If, if you have an argument with me, is there a way you can remove me? If we have arguments amongst the many investors, is there a way that's all set up so that that can be resolved? My PPMs have a table of contents with like 12 different headings, mm -hmm. but those are the main headings. Overall, I think one of the most important things you'd ask me, Joe, is you'd say, well, Gene, I like the deal. I'm going to give you my $25,000, but Gene, what happens if something happens to you? Mm -hmm. And, you know, as long as you're in this deal, you think I've got your money. That's just the way everyone thinks. Well, if something happens to me, who's going to run this? You? Probably not, you know. So you need to make sure I have a continuity plan. And usually the continuity plan is the syndicator is itself an LLC with two or three people. So if something happens to one person, there are other people to pick up the ball and, and run with it and protect the investors and their money. Really good stuff. What would you say out of those things that you mentioned, the risks associated to the investment, the sources and uses of proceeds, liquidity, dispute resolution, and the continuity plan, what would you say is most commonly overlooked or not paid close enough attention to as a limited partner? Number one would be the continuity issue. I face this every time I talk to someone who wants to put a syndication together, wants to raise money from investors. I have to go through the story of why you need a continuity plan, why you need the manager to be an LLC entity. That's often overlooked. People think they can just do it themselves. And if you do it yourself, Joe, if I were the managing member myself and something went wrong, all the investors could sue me for everything I have. And if something went wrong, I, I have been a replacement managing member six times in my career, and not always because someone died. One fellow, unfortunately, hit his head on a rock pile skiing mm. and came out a quadriplegic. Well, we needed to replace him. Then there was a nasty divorce. Then there was a bankruptcy. And all those things threaten the safety of the money of the investors. So I think an investor should look at that. Mm -hmm. I think an investor should look carefully at what are the risks. When you go out and buy a piece of real estate yourself, Joe, the saying is, you know, buyer beware. Or go ahead and do all your own due diligence. But in the syndication world, in the securities world, there's no such thing as buyer beware. I, as a syndicator, have to reduce to writing all the material facts that you would need to make an informed decision. And that would be all the risks, you know, the risks of the property, the economy, government, financing. Here's a great risk, Joe. We're going to get a 20-year loan with a five-year balloon. Okay, so what do you do at the end of five years? you got to pay it. Yeah, everyone's going to say, well, we'll refinance. Uh, no, that doesn't... <laughs> That didn't happen in 2010 and 2011. 
well, we'll sell it. Well, not always. So, you know, whenever there's a balloon, you add risk, and someone should have a plan for that, okay? So I think that's it. What did I say? I said liquidity, your liquidity. Can you get your money out if your life changes? And that's always the biggest thing that I, as a syndicator, always had to face is in the five or six years that our deal was together, someone in the group faced a change in their life, and we needed to provide for liquidity. And so those are important things. It's good stuff. Now, as a syndicator, the general partner who is putting the deal together, what should he or she have in the PPM that protects them? Well, all the things that I've already talked about are important in the PPM, but as a syndicator, I'm interested in who my investors are. I'd be interested in the section in the PPM and the subscription agreement that deals with suitability standards. Let's say you're going to do a project that's going to be a value add and it's a rehab and and you think it might take, you know, four or five years for it to come to fruition. Well, do you want to take investors who need cash flow from the money they're investing? Probably not. Do you want to take an investor who's going to invest their IRA who's 70 years old, and in two years they're going to come to you because they need liquidity, because they have to start taking mandatory withdrawals? You know, some investors need cash flow. Some investors can invest just for equity buildup. And you have to make sure your project matches the investors that you take. I'd like to have a good voting right provision. If I'm going to make, uh, take on all the risk of doing this and making everyone a lot of money, I'd like to be able to pretty much call the shots to the extent that I would not want to have um, daily decisions voted on by the members. I don't care if we vote on should we sell the property or should we refinance the property? If, if I had, don't have a good story and a good plan that I can present to my investors and I can't convince them, well, then maybe my plan isn't good, my story isn't good. So I, uh, I think those voting rights, suitability standards, uh, liquidity, and uh, dispute resolution would be the most important. Where have you seen investors who do syndication go wrong? And that's a broad question, so take it whatever direction you want to. I know where they go wrong. The first thing they go wrong, and if you're going to be a syndicator, you mean, like I've been saying, I'm going to raise the money from people, you go wrong in not understanding that really the business you stepped in is managing the people much more than the property. One of my favorite sayings, you've heard this, Joe, is the care and maintenance of partners can soon become overwhelming. You don't plan for what happens. I do three deals my first year, and I've got 15 to 20 investors in each deal. All of a sudden, I've got 45, 60, 70 brand new best friends. (laughs) (laughs) And I've got their money. At least that's what they think. And so that's an overwhelming uh, problem. Trying to draft the documents yourself to save a few dollars, first of all, is the unauthorized practice of law, and in some states that's a misdemeanor, but it doesn't protect anyone. You might save a few thousand dollars, but now you've got poorly drafted documents 
And when that investor comes to you and says their life has just been turned upside down and they need their money and your document doesn't cover that, that's going to cause trouble because the next thing you're going to know, you're going to get a call from an attorney who's going to ask you, you know, Mr. Trowbridge, how come you let this Joe guy in your deal when it wasn't liquid? Why did you do that? How can you make this right? That's trouble. <laughs> when you were talking about managing the people and you know you do three deals and then you've got a lot of new best friends, what are some tactical things that you've done to start managing those amount of new best friends that you have? You get some staff. I tell my people in my workshops that after three deals, you better have enough money for at least a half-time staff person who needs a place to sit and needs a telephone and a desk so the mundane calls can be handled by someone else. But if it's an important call, they're going to call me because I've got their money. Mm-hmm. So I've got to always be available, which means I've, I probably have to stop doing something else I'm doing manage my time, and I have to have that staff person. Joe, when I finished being a syndicator, I had over 850 investors, and we had 16 funds that were going full-time. And the last year I did it, I sent out almost 1,700 K-1s. I had a staff of 10 people. The reason I stopped syndicating is if I was going to grow my business anymore, I would have needed to add more people. And I just simply didn't want to. So I went to law school. (laughs) It's one thing to have to grow much more. It's another to completely abandon it. Why did you abandon it versus just maintain? Well, I had to grow to maintain. Why is that? Because it was overwhelming. That wasn't enough people for what we were doing. And uh, I was also challenged by my broker-dealer community who was raising money for me. They wanted me to do more deals. They were able to sell my product. Their investors liked it. They wanted me to do bigger deals and risk rewards. I just thought it was time. That's just me, Joe. Someone else would have said, hey, that's great. But it didn't fit me, and I was smart enough to know that it didn't fit me. And you said 16 funds. That's different than a one-off PPM. When I said I send out 1,700 K-1s in a year, if with 16 funds, that means there might have been 100 people in every fund. Mm -hmm. Why did you do a fund instead of the one-off deals? Well, one-off deals wasn't going to get me where I was going. We were building self-storage units. And we were raising, you know, four or five million dollars every time. And sometimes we would buy two pieces of dirt and build two projects in the same fund. I only at the very beginning when I got started, did I just do one product and two or three investors? That's what worked for me. Other people have done it differently. Based on everything we've talked about and your experience What would you say is something that is important to mention that we haven't discussed as we wrap things up? Well, investor relations is extremely important. If you're the syndicator, there's no amount of information you can give your investors that's overkill. Okay, The more you give them, the better off you are. 
And uh, that's important in today's marketplace, Joe. Putting together a syndication that doesn't provide for current cash flow and pushes all the benefits to the end of time is not going to sell. Today's market investors want a check within the first six months. And doing a blind pool, doing a fund before you have developed a track record is a non-starter. You have to just do single property offerings until you have a good track record. And then you can do a fund with raising a little more money and telling the people you're going to buy two or three properties in the fund. But you better have a track record. That's it, Joe. Well, this has been very informative, Gene. Thank you so much for being on the show and spending some time with us on the Sunday and walking us through the different pros and cons of syndication. And when I say cons, it's really the, the risks that are associated to it and things you need to look out for. Talking through, if you're a limited partner, what to look for in the private placement memorandum liquidity, dispute resolution, sources and uses proceeds, what are the risks, conflicts of interest, and what happens if something happens to the general partner. So make sure there's a continuity plan. And then on the general partner side, you talked about what to um, include there. And the most, I'd say, overlooked thing, I say that because you said it, from a general partnership side is really investor relations and it's incredibly important right now especially as you said no amount of information is overkill and to be able to manage the people and all of your best friends that are in the deal as you continue to scale and that's certainly a challenge for the business and that's something that you saw firsthand and uh, we, we've, we've got to have the systems in place to accommodate so and lastly boy the fix and flippers out there who have investors who they're given a cut of the deal and a certain interest rate, that's definitely a security, according to you. So pay attention to that, fix and flippers, and um, you know, uh, act accordingly. So thank you so much, Gene. I hope you have a best ever weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, you're welcome. I enjoyed it. Bye. If you want the full real estate investing experience, then work your money with the WYM Group. Uh, the WYM Group is Michelle Wong's company. She was interviewed in episode 512, and their website is T H E W Y M Group dot com.